RSA conference. This is 2023 and I'm so excited to be here with ITSP Magazine. Um, I run a podcast series called Secure Your Strategy and today we're going to talk about security team wellness. And with me I have two guests. I have Anna and I also have Diana. And I'm going to have each of them tell a little bit about who they are. Anna, let's start with you. Sure. So I'm the CEO of EMC Advisors and I'm also a senior fellow at the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace. Um, I serve on a number of boards and I'm recently retired as the Chief Security and Risk Officer for Microsoft's cloud infrastructure. And prior to that, I was the Chief Security Officer for Cisco's Global Value Chain. Delighted to be here. It's lovely to have you here and I'm a huge fan. Every, I remember seeing your talk on supply chain security and I just, I think I was blown away because I remember asking a question about ESG, which is environmental social governance, and I just remember asking you and you actually knew what that was. And it like, it blew my mind because I talked to so many people in this space and they're like, ESG, what's that? They don't know what it is, they don't understand it, but you knew exactly about it. You knew about the risk management and supply chain. Yeah. And I, I'm so thankful to have you here today. And then Diana, of course, I'm thankful to have you here, of course. Diana, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself? Sure, I'm Diana Kelly, and I'm currently the CSO at CyberEyes, and I have managed remote teams over the course of my 30 plus year career. I've actually never managed a team in person. So way before remote work became a thing, I was actually managing remote teams since the 90s. So um, excited to be able to share a little bit about how the lessons I learned and the things I did wrong that I learned not to do with remote. Well, I like that insight of immediately like, and the lessons that I did wrong, I'm willing to face that. And it's interesting how now since, you know, pandemic world and how things have changed, you are already doing remote work and you were as well and uh, leading teams remotely. And I mean, let's just dive into it. How have you seen about like that, that balance of work life when people are working from home on your team? So look, I think you can make a big difference, right? I think it's how you approach it. You bring your whole self because you're seeing your colleagues in a different environment. And so for me, I know all of the children of anybody on the team because when you hear them, I'm like, stop, stop blocking them. Take the filters off, let me see who they are. Um, and the children become part of the story and the significant others become part of the story. And so I think there's a way to make people feel like this is all part of your work family. And I say the word family on purpose, right? We dedicate a tremendous amount of our time to what we do. And we care deeply, so many of us. And bringing that into the way you interact with your colleagues is something that I think we have to do every day. There's always something that's intriguing though when hybrid, and I'd love your opinion on this as well. There's always two or three people who when you're in the hybrid environment, and we always have, I had sort of the high, classic hybrid, you had the room, yeah. and then you had people who were really up close because they were home. And there's two or three who are not on camera. And the question becomes, when do you push to yeah. say, I feel like you're not really with us. There's probably a reason why they're doing it. Sometimes it's because people, nine times out of 10 people have said to me, I'm eating 
and I don't want to eat. I'm like, well, if we were all in the room, would you not be eating the sandwich in front of me? Do we not sit at the dinner table together? And there's some of these human perspectives that I think as leaders, we can reach out and embrace our team with some very simple effort and bring folks together and then also be respectful when somebody says, I'm not, I'm not in a condition to be seen today. You have to back off when yes. you hear that, right? Yeah, I completely agree with that, that sometimes people don't want to have the camera on for a very good reason. It's just not the right day for them. So yeah, you don't want to push people if that's not the moment, but bringing that personal in really makes a difference. And I know that a lot of times with remote, and I think it is important to create ways for people to be together that aren't working. So mm -hmm. book clubs, eat lunch together, to your yeah. point, we're so afraid to eat on camera, but we'd all be sitting at the table eating with each other if you have a really loud salad while someone's telling a story sure mute it but you know it's like yeah. we've seen each other eat <laughs> it's okay um, yeah. um but also yeah during the work conversations bring that in too stop yeah what's your dog's name what yes. are your yeah. kids names maybe your kid wants to come in and join part of the conversation people are so afraid that they're going to disrupt what's happening in the office but really it doesn't disrupt that work call what it does is it brings the team together and they work better yeah. and so yeah stop so, being afraid of the person i have a funny story that i have to tell you so i had an admin <laughs> who was dutch wonderful woman she had two children and apparently the dutch forgive me i'm italian as you know so i don't know what the dutch word for grandma was but it's oma and she had a three-year-old who somehow, when he heard my voice, concluded that I sounded like grandma. Aww. So anytime he heard me, you would hear him in the background screaming at the top of his lungs, <laughs> I want to see Oma, I want to see Oma. <laughs> so it's like, put him on. We would have conversations, we compared notes on toys on our desk. Sure. And I still get pictures. I yeah. still to this day get pictures from him because he wants to show me something. And that means a tremendous amount in terms of the relationship that you build. Yeah. You know, there's, there's research that if you have five work colleagues that you feel friendly with, right? They don't have to be your best friend, but that you really yeah. feel like you've got a connection with, that you're much less likely to leave the company. And in remote work, right, think about, like, you had a very strong connection <laughs> It's your employee and to her child. You know, you're the Oma. Again, that's that's actually again that bring in that personal because you're making those connections and for remote teams, that's gonna keep them in the company and, yeah. and that's much harder with remote teams to keep them engaged. And for teams that are actually at you know, that are together, they're gonna be much more happy and more likely to stay. Yeah. Great I think point. it's like a lot of also masking because we sometimes, you know, people that work remotely is like oh, I'm going to get in trouble if my kids make a sound or my dogs are going to make a sound. Right. I can't let them know about this. And so then they go on to this masking situation that, you know, for no one to know what's going on with them. And I feel like when you're masking for so long throughout the day, yeah. it's got to be exhausting and taxing. Yeah. And I wonder if that also contributes to, like, when they're trying to work remotely that they feel exhausted, they don't feel connected to other people because they can't and they don't know how to feel comfortable. Maybe it's their work environment or maybe it's just them themselves but that yeah that masking thing really does play a role yeah it does yeah it's an intriguing observation i think the other thing is you can tell even you know for those of us who have been around for a while before there was video <laughs> you listen to 
Don't make those eyes. Oh, I thought you meant videos at all. You meant video call. <laughs> no, video call. Good Lord, I'm not that old, <laughs> Diana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good Lord. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm antique, but I'm not dead. Um, God love friends. Um, the truth of the matter is if you pay attention, you know, God gave us five senses. Yeah. The timbre of somebody's voice can tell you something. Yeah. And sometimes it's just paying attention to that. Yeah. Right? And also, sometimes it's don't judge a book by its cover. So I have, um, when I'm thinking, I must do something. Because if you look at my face, you can see where my wrinkles are, right? They're from smiling. Thank you, God, for a blessed life. <laughs> and they're from doing this. Thinking. Yeah. See these? And I don't realize that I would do it. And people would sit there and say, what's wrong? And I finally realized I do it when the screen has an Excel spreadsheet on it and it's so small I can't see. Oh. And I'm doing this. <laughs> and everybody is attributing some kind of, you know, oh, good Lord, our executive is having a problem or she doesn't yeah. like what she's seeing. So sometimes being cognizant of that mm -hmm. is really important because I get like private texts. So as long as you encourage people to use the technology, or better yet, just say it out loud to mm -hmm. one another, you have a little bit more of a free-flowing conversation, which makes it feel like you're all in it together. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're going to lose if we're not coordinating. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the, I mean, the masking, you're right, it's more emotionally taxing to the employee, to the, to the human, than being honest. Mm -hmm. So if somebody has a big life event, if there's a death in the family, let them have the time off. It's not that you're losing productivity from it. Right. They're going to come back energized. They're not going to be focused. And then when they come back, the team acknowledging it, right? Because that's part of that friendship, that connection. And maybe, you know, understanding the timbre of their voice is going to be different for a while because yeah. they suffered yes. a great loss. That's okay. That doesn't mean they're not going to be productive. And genuinely, what I've seen over time is teams that give people the space to be who they are. You can't 100% of the time say whatever you want, but you know that really give people the space to be real and who they are. They get so much more work done. You know, so there's, much more there's another technique too, and I, I'm going to put a plug in for a woman-owned business. So I found this because it was sent to me uh, when I had a big medical event uh, quite some time ago. There's a company out there called Spoonful of Comfort, and you can order different configurations. And it's got the best of what you need. It's got like chicken soup, biscuits, who doesn't love biscuits? And you can pick your cookie of choice. And it's got this mix and match. And so I, you know, uh, I have a wonderful husband who often asks me like, why do we have to have a portfolio of funding for sending out spoonful of comfort <laughs> gift bags to everybody who ever worked with you. But if there was a life event, good or bad, and particularly while we were doing, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. dealing with the realities of COVID, not that we're done yet, um, it goes a long way towards your topic yes. of yeah. well-being. Yeah. It's not just, are you gonna make the meeting? It's, are you well? Yeah. We actually care about you. And the best words you can ever say uh, to me are, what can I do to take something off of your plate? Yes. Oh, I love that line. Yeah. Oh, geez. If I could hear yeah. that like all the time, that would have been great. Because it's like, oh, you got that done. 
hey, you know this other person, they can't get this done. Can you do it for me? And you're like, yes. Slowly pull it to you with regrets. Um, I like how you, you made up a point about the whole vacation thing. The whole thing is like many of us, we there's times when we want to take a vacation, but we don't know when to take a vacation. And it's up to like leaders to also see those signs, recognize the signs, to be like, hey, um, Paul, you've been here for you know about a year now, and you haven't taken a single day off and um, I'm getting concerned. I think you need to take some time off for about a week or two. Go for a vacation. So what are some of the signs that both of you have recognized when to have that type of conversation? Because I feel like that's a conversation we don't really have as much in this industry. It's always like, always people saying, well, you know, I want to take time off and everything. But it, it seems like it's more become a situation of like, no, I'm a little bit nervous to take time off because what will happen yeah. to my team? That, and I find this particularly hard now with the unlimited vacation trend because yeah. unlimited vacation sounds so good, but it's, it's like a psychological trick because in unlimited vacation companies, employees tend mm-hmm. to take a lot fewer vacation days. So my, what I've always done is I always just assume that I understand how much time people have off. I've never had to manage in a in an unlimited vacation team, but I would do the same thing. I'd say let's let's look at, let's target like two weeks, mm-hmm. um, at least. And I would talk to my team during the you know on one on ones. I'd be like, so what are we doing for vacation this year? Where are you taking the family, or where are you taking yourself? And have these conversations with them on sort of a regular. It's not like I would like poke at them nonstop, mm-hmm. but just make sure that that was a touch point of the folks that I was working with so that they were thinking about their vacations in advance and knew to take time. And I never actually had somebody that I had to say, you have to, because luckily that conversation um, kind of got people thinking about it. And we would talk about vacations other people had. So it became really very cultural. I had to have them talking to, though. So at one of my first jobs, HR had to take me aside and say, and it was just very blunt. It was, you've been here a year and a half, you've taken no vacation. So here's the deal. You're going, they talked to my manager, you're going on vacation next week for three weeks, or you are losing three weeks of pay because we're going to take those days away. So up to you. But, and that... That works. That's a good framing. It's like you're either going to get paid and enjoy your time, or you know what? You're not going to get paid whatsoever, and you're just going to be stuck at home. And That's what's going to be happening. We're telling you, go. Take this time. So, yeah. So I've worked in um, environments where there was a set amount of earn time, and then a whatever we'll call unlimited. My experience actually was different. When it switched to unlimited, People who were taking three weeks off suddenly needed nine to ten weeks off. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, that where, where's this place? Research. Oh, yeah. My. So that was an intriguing, you want to talk about a challenge about wellness and a conversation yeah. as a leader that you have yeah. to have. And here's what I think you can do. You can, you improve wellness by building trust. Yeah. You yeah. look at people oh, and yeah. say, here's what you have to do. You know when you're going to do it. You know how you're going to do it. I have implicit faith that you will get it done. As long as you get it done, do it however you want. And 99 times out of 100, they will get it done. And that one time, you're going to have a conversation that says, that didn't work. 
Yeah. So now we're going to have a conversation, yeah. right? But that, again, wellness is not just physical. It's mm -hmm. also mental. And uh, that sort of, we all do it, right? Take a deep breath in yeah. and blow it out. Yeah. And it literally lowers your blood pressure, your pulse. For me, if you say, I trust that you're going to get it done, that gives me elbow room. Yeah. And elbow room is a gift oh, it's of so wellness. Oh, it's so needed. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and if somebody has trust, they will also come back to you and say, I'm lost. Yep. So the other way to build wellness is to build a safe zone where people can come and say, I'm lost, I'm worried something is a, at risk. And instead of, you know, going, oh gosh, all hands on deck, how do yeah. we fix this? The answer is, eh, yeah. let's look at this and figure out how we can address it. Yeah. Right? So I always find it ironic that in a day and age, particularly for security professionals, where we are automating more, we're dependent on our te not technology, we live and breathe mm -hmm. new capabilities that are technologically delivered, the solution often comes down to the human element. Yes, always. And yeah. it's always like, well, let's go buy that other tool to help put a band-aid on this human element problem. And you made a perfect, like, that was, to me, the whole statement about trust. Trust is totally necessary to have good wellness, to be able to have that relationship, how to have these bonds where people will stay at your company. And so you're definitely spot on on that trust thing. And it's, sometimes it can be incredibly hard in our industry because I feel like we have this sense of zero trust, not, not zero trust, come on, we're not thinking that way. But I mean, like, we tend to not be as trustworthy of others. Like we're, we're nervous about new people. We're nervous about what the skills they have. Are they gonna throw me under the bus? Is yeah. this person going to use me? We have all that type of thinking also on our team. So how would you recommend leaders to do better when it comes to building trust? And I would say like transparency is probably one of them, but what are some other skills? Humor. Oh, Humor is yes. fantastic. Yeah. Um, and some of us do it naturally and some of us don't. And some of us are not trying to be funny and people giggle. I'm like, I didn't think that was funny, but okay, I was just telling you. <laughs> so I'll give you an example. Yesterday I did a talk with two fantastic women, um, expertise in private sector, public sector, doing amazing things. And um, one of them asked me a question at the end. She said, you know, Edna, you keep talking about trust. How do you juxtapose trust and juxtapose the reality of we're talking about zero trust and I said zero trust is an approach to technology trust is a human element for example and you, you could see the like you could watch the audience going think about that you could watch when the heads <laughs> tilt a couple of degrees you're like okay I need to give an example so the example I gave is um, you know, now that I've retired from being an executive at a multinational, I have had a conversation with my 37-year-old polymer chemist son and his wife, their choice on how they want to run their family. And I said, as I'm thinking about oversubscribed or undersubscribed, might you share with mama whether or not I need to have some time available for potential quality with a grandbaby? <laughs> And I looked at everyone and I was like, I don't have any grandbabies. I don't know if I'm getting any grandbabies. And that's their choice. But for me, it was about fitting in yeah. 
where I was oversubscribed yeah. and what was busy time and yeah. what was sacred time, right? And they all looked at like, oh yeah, we get that. I trust that you are going to do the right thing, but could you let me know? Because yeah. that's a really, that's a really hard conversation yeah. Yeah. to have, and that's with a family member. Now imagine with a young team member or a not young team member who said, we've made a decision to our, add to our family, whether they're choosing to have a baby themselves, whether they're choosing to bring somebody else new into their family in another way, merge families. Those are all major events that affect wellness mm -hmm. and require patience, trust, and transparency. Yeah. Yeah. I would say with trust, I mean, trust is earned. It's, I, it's a truism because it's the truth. You really do have to earn that trust. And as a manager, that's things like being clear about what you expect people to do. Don't say, I want you to do this, and then yell at them for not doing that. You know, give them clarity. Give them prioritization. Support them. Don't tell tales on them. I mean, you know, like the comes back and whispers part. That's I've managers that do that. They lose the trust really. So yeah. how you gain trust is to be a decent, good manager. It takes time, but one nice thing about trust is it can be a little bit transitive. So, <laughs> right? Um, this is a good example here where. Chloe and I had a trust relationship. You and I had a trust relationship. Chloe said, I would love Edna to be here as part of this discussion. So when I asked you, that gave, you got some transitive trust with Chloe because she said, if I trust, if Diana that's trusts correct. Chloe, yeah, I'm going to trust her. Yeah. So, you know, like that's that. And so don't forget that as a manager. That's really important. If your team trusts you, then as new people come in, the people that trust them will also wow, have that's a great trust observation, you. Diana. Oh, wow. Yeah. I <laughs> I'm thinking about that. And I, I'm trying to, <laughs> I remember like when I was, at any time that I was interviewing with a company, and I was like learning about the team and I never got a chance to interview the team members. It was, now it's a huge red flag for me. If I'm not meeting yeah. the team members early on, I don't yeah. know if I want to work here yep. because I'm going to be around them like a family in a sense. I'm going to know stuff about them and I'm going to let you be part of my life too. And we're going to spend lots of hours of our life together to do things together. And so, yeah, on that. I was just thinking about something completely random was when you talked about the, the grandchild thing. There was an SNL skit about a year ago. Yeah. And it was really funny. It was like these two, two women and it was like they were doing an ad for a home goods store ad. And I think it was a home goods store. And then they asked them, you know, just say what are, just shout out the things that you love and you like that, you know, that you want in your life for this ad and they're like really anything and they're like yeah anything and then they both is like and rolling and they're like S grandchildren <laughs> and it was just like oh uh, and they're like cut you know what you really want here is like grandchildren i want grandchildren <laughs> these millennials they won't have grandchildren it was just so uh -oh. funny so totally random off that but and you're right humor does it changes the dynamics it makes you feel closer to the other person and it really allows the room to feel like even if you're in like a massive situation it calms the room people let their guards down and that's when you can really start opening being transparent and I really like all of these these are great takeaways what is what is the one thing that you yourself 
as leaders when you start noticing that you need to work on something about yourself. To make sure that you're not doing anything that may you know, cause the team to slow down or is preventing you from leading the team in any sort of way. Yeah, for me, uh, the biggest one was that I tended to learn how a person was and adjust. I don't, uh, one management style does not fit all, right? You have mm -hmm. to meet each employee where they are. But what I misunderstood is that that employee's place may change over time. So if I had an employee that I worked with that was really confident, really got things done, and we had a great relationship, you know, they were, leave me alone, just tell me what I need to do, right? And then like I saw them stumbling, and I wouldn't adjust my management style because I'm like, well, that person's just a, they'll get it, but you know, in retrospect, I would realize, oh, I'd given them a project that they were no longer as comfortable with, so they needed a different management style as they were acquiring that new skill. They suddenly needed more touch points than they had previously. So that for me was, I think, one of the biggest takeaways to help with, with management is just knowing that people are in different places at different points in their life, depending on what's happened personally, and also even the tasks that, you've, that you're, they're working through, depending on their comfort level with it, they may need a different man. So you as a manager may need to rethink and, and manage them differently through different points of time. So for me, it's, you said something that's telling, which is, and I've said it before, I'm not sure I'm perfect at it which is meeting people where they are. Because for me, life is just, it's one big joy. And I'm a lot, I'm like filled with energy and enthusiasm <laughs> and I don't need a lot of sleep. And it's, for some people it's like, oh my God. I feel God, like that's everyone at this table. Is she ever <laughs> going to stop? She's sending emails at two o'clock in the morning. Oh. And, so, and so for me, if you send me an email when I'm sleeping, I. She'll answer it. I, well, no, that's not. <laughs> if I'm sleeping, I won't. Yeah. But I'm very rarely sleeping. So. Right. But the point is, I don't take that as something that I have to deal with. Yeah. And so sometimes stepping back and saying, I actually had the fantastic chief of staff who would say to me, Edna, everyone is not like you. <laughs> it just sounds so oh, simple. Yeah doesn't it? But, so I think the trick is, part of wellness is surrounding yourself with people who have the strength and integrity to hopefully put a little padding on it, but be willing to give you a two by four to the head <laughs> when you need one. I happen to have a friend who has been known to do that. <laughs> but I think, you know, I, it takes a lot to sit there and look at somebody and say, yeah, I was, I was just a jackass, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize it because I wasn't thinking about it that way. No. Because we live in our own heads. That's right. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. And we get used to like our interactions with an employee being a certain way. And yeah, it's very hard to sometimes just yeah. step back. So that I think is a really important. And, and it's true, having somebody, don't forget, managers need mentors too. They need to go back and continue training. And there's a, so it, importantly, right? Yeah. So it's like taking care of your own 
as, take care of your own health and well-being and having the people around you that can help you understand if maybe you aren't in the best place. Because if you're not in a good place, you can't be in a good place for your team. That's a great it's observation. True. So it's like basically what I'm hearing from here is like be a good leader by knowing yourself, knowing to constantly work on yourself, be in tune with yourself. You don't have to change yourself, but you need to understand how the other person may come across it. So kind of be like a chameleon, not in a bad way. Um, <laughs> but also like, hey, if you're one of those people that sends emails at two in the morning and because that's you, that's you. But if someone else isn't doing that, that's right. fine. Everyone should just accept each other for who they are. And this is their yep. style. And learn and the power of a heartfelt apology. Yes. Can't be a fake apology, oh, yeah. but a heartfelt apology that allows people to know, I'm imperfect, I'm raising my hand, yeah. I'm trying. Which touches on something, you know, humble leaders, because you're talking about the, the humility to be able to say, I'm sorry, a heartfelt, I'm sorry. That's a, a level of, of humility, and I, and, and I think that that actually contributes to trust, too, knowing that your manager isn't trying to set themselves up to some impossible standard, that they know they're human, too. Yeah, it's powerful. Absolutely. It's powerful. I mean, what are, what are some great books or great quotes that helped you lead to kind of figure out yourself? I like how you said a little bit earlier about self-care. And one thing I have realized is like to be a good leader and you have to know yourself very well. And so sometimes you need to take your bubble bath. If you need to take a bubble bath three times in one day, sure, go for it. That's what makes you feel good about yourself because you cannot help others unless you help yourself first. So what are some books and quotes or maybe documentaries or movies that inspired you to be a better leader or constantly keep learning? So the first time I went to leadership training was way back in the 90s when I was at KPMG. And, they, and it was a week long, you know, sit here, this is how to be a leader, right? And they made us watch the movies Hoosiers. <laughs> Which was very strange. I mean, this is like this big, expensive, big four consulting retreat. And they're like, now we're showing you Hoosiers. You know, like you had like some substitute teacher day or something. But that actually, there's a lot of really great leadership lessons within Hoosiers. So that one's a really a good one. Um, none of these are like classic leadership stuff. The other one that comes to mind is Cialdini's book on persuasion, which is about marketing. He's a marketing professor. but. It helps you to understand the psychology of other people and what drives people and motivates them. So that book I found very, very helpful. Um, and then I also really love Sapiens by Yuval Harari. It is not a book for everybody, but it really goes deep into things about us as human beings that you know, we, not a lot of people have done a lot of deep thought on. It just really kind of pulls the curtain back on a lot of assumptions people make. And that helped me to understand and just reframe how I thought about interacting with everybody in my life, including the people that I was working with in business. So I'm a big fan of children's books. I think they have some of the most powerful messages that we could ever achieve to convey. Um, I'll give you the first one, which is not a children's book, is um, if you, there's a professor at Yale called Zoe Chance, and she's written a book called Influence is Your Superpower. Mm. Uh, and for those of us who are technical, mathematical, or data-driven, we love to showcase all of that because we think the more we share, the more we're influencing yep. somebody and convincing them. Oh, yeah. 
And what she actually proved was, and I love this uh, analogy, she calls it the gator brain. So if you look at an alligator, they've actually evolved yeah. to do the minimum work necessary because they conserve energy. So if you put, if I'm your gator and the food is over here, I'm not gonna go for it. If it's here, I'll go for it. Figured out, I don't need that right now, this is the easier path. Yeah. So it convinced me that simplicity and storytelling are a key attribute to a great leader, number one. Yeah. I always give folks um, a couple of books when they graduate or when they achieve something. One is a very personal book. Um, it's called Frog in Love, and I don't re remember the name of it, forget the author of it. It's, it's an intriguing story. It's about a very green frog who falls in love with a beautiful white duck. And all of the animals can't quite figure out what it is that's making him sick, and then they come to the conclusion that the frog is in love with the duck. There's a whole contingency of this animal community that articulates that you're a green frog, you can't possibly be in love with a white mm -hmm. duck. And the message is pretty darn clear, which is at the end, they, you know, he's laying on a lily pad and she's paddling in the water and they're together. Um, and they figured out a way to actually become more powerful together, Stronger given together. their differences. Oh. Um, and so embrace your differences. And then the last one is a book that was actually given to me. Um, and it's how to embrace, you know, we always encourage people to be curious, but sometimes when you're a leader, you're, you have a roadmap, you have a track, you have a time frame. And curiosity needs to be nurtured, but it can sometimes be distracting. Well, this is called a penguin story. And it's about a penguin who ironically is named Edna. <laughs> and this penguin lives in the Antarctic and there was the blue sky and the black night, right? And there was white. And Edna persisted in thinking there must be something else. So while all the other penguins were, you know, sliding down the ice and catching fish and having a wonderful time as a community, Edna was a little stressed trying to figure out I know there's something else. So Edna decides to go on a journey, a trek. If you've ever been in a meeting where somebody takes you, you're going here. And the meeting goes that way, right? <laughs> she packs a little bag of fish. <laughs> she goes on the journey. And lo and behold, after several days, she finds an Antarctic exploration of humans. And these folks have orange gloves and they have other color accoutrements. And she comes back with an orange glove on her head. It's Aww. the most ridiculous thing you've ever Aww. seen. And she says, I told you there was something else out there. And they all embrace her and they're like, oh, look at this, this is orange, we've learned about orange. And they go back to, this is the way we get fish, this is the way we work. And Edna sort of says, I wonder if there's something else. <laughs> yeah. So the power of embracing your deviance yeah. Because they may be your best innovators That's right. as a leader. Absolutely. Yes. On that. Yeah. I like how you brought in kids' stories on that. One of my favorite personal books is The Little Prince. Yeah. I'm obsessed with yes. this book. Yeah. I read it every single year because I learn something new about the world through this book every year. Yeah. It's very unique. 
I like your story about the penguin. Have you thought about doing like books on tape or like, you know, yeah. doing some for us? And then like, if we have like children or, you know, or grandchildren that we could just play Edna on tape, you know? <laughs> like, I want to hear Edna more stories of like penguins named Edna, even if it's not your story, but like, that would be fantastic. Edna's story of Edna. Right? Yeah. And this is why, ladies and gentlemen, that you need to have good leaders that know how to tell a story because now I want to learn more about this book there of a penguin go. and an orange glove. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for being here. It was lovely to have you on here, Anna, Diana, as well. Um, if there's any last words that you have for anyone who's trying to figure out how to be a better leader and to make sure that they're going forward when it comes to security team wellness, any last thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I so what I would say is, you know, there's the golden rule, which is, you know, treat others the way that you, you would want to be treated, but go past that. Because there's the past the golden rule is to understand how others want to be treated. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really a very, so, and, and apply that kind of grace and space to yourself too. Sometimes, especially early leaders, and some very type A leaders just put way too much pressure on themselves and, and don't give themselves space. You will fit, you're gonna do something wrong. You're human, yeah, we're all human. We all do things wrong, we all make mistakes. Your team's gonna make mistakes. Allow that space within the team and that's gonna help a lot to, you know, when you know you can fail and get back up and try harder, that you innovate, you become Edna going out and finding that glove because you're not scared. I think for me, it's um, just really having the faith in those around you and showing them that you can leap off a cliff, even if you don't know what's on the other end, um, and lead by example and say, I'm going to leap first. And I promise you, if you follow me, I'll catch you at the bottom. I will always be there and live up to that commitment. Yeah. yeah. Say it and mean it. Mean it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you all. It was lovely to have you, and I hope everyone is enjoying the rest of their conference, and I hope to see both of you guys on my podcast some other time. Yeah. I'd love to have you. My great privilege. Thank great. you for having me. Thanks, Welcome. Chloe.